Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Bwery, and as always, I'm with the trained rock mechanic, Dr. Lucy Jones. Thanks to all the listeners who've stepped up to sponsor this podcast. You can too by joining as a sponsor of the nonprofit Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Please go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Do that now. And now, let's get to it. We've told you before on this podcast that what you feel from an earthquake depends on your distance from the fault and the ground you're on. That was episode 16. Recently, a magnitude 3.8 in Indiana was widely felt over 100 miles away, whereas that same-sized earthquake in LA wouldn't be felt in San Diego, which is about 100 miles away. Whenever there's an earthquake on the East Coast, it's noticed and felt much farther than when that same-sized earthquake happens on the West Coast. Lucy, explain why the waves from an earthquake travel farther on the East Coast versus the West Coast. Okay, let's remember the earthquake slips on a fault that produces waves. Those waves travel through the rock to your house, just like when I snap my fingers, those waves travel out from my fingers to your ear. Someone standing a long ways away cannot hear the snap because the passage of the waves have attenuated gradually gotten smaller as the sound wave travels. So how far you feel a particular magnitude of quake is how much the waves attenuate traveling from the fault to where you are. So what's different about the East Coast versus the West Coast that causes waves to travel faster and more efficiently, which makes it felt farther away? Okay, well, how fast the wave travels depends on the type of rock. Generally, the denser the rock is, the faster the waves. Harder rocks have a greater resistance to getting pushed, which is what a wave is, right? The fault pushes on a piece of rock, which pushes on the piece next to it, the next to it. And there's a tiny amount of friction that attenuates the wave and it goes faster. So the harder rock goes faster, more efficiently. And how hard the rock is, is primarily determined by how old the rock is. Think about how a rock is formed. You have sediments in the ocean, they get dumped in, they're pretty loose there. More, more sediments get put on top and compact the levels underneath, they get a bit denser. With more time, you get more. Maybe with time it gets heated up and put under more pressure and then it goes from being a sedimentary rock to a metamorphic rock and it's even denser yet. So it's the age of the rock that really matters. And the East Coast has very old rocks. There are some there that are over a billion years old. In fact, several billion. The faults in them have also been mostly sealed up over time. There isn't a lot of active faulting going on. Nothing's moving, they've gotten colder and increasing the density. On the West Coast, we have lots going on. We have lots of faults that break up the rocks and increase the attenuation, just like a broken bell doesn't do as good a job as a solid bell. And some of our rocks are only a, a million or years old or so. They were recently ocean sediments and have been uplifted to be the LA basin. So why is the West Coast considered new, recently ocean sediment, whereas the East Coast, which is also a coast, is old and cold? Wasn't it also recently seafloor, relatively speaking, of course? Not very recently, but it's also, it's what we call a passive margin. So the middle of the ocean is opening up with the mid-ocean ridge and passively carrying the edge of the continents apart from each other. 
The West Coast is an active plate margin where we actually have one plate running into the other, producing more earthquakes, more faults, and actually lifting up the sediments, giving us those younger and hotter rocks, because rocks do cool off with time. So does our younger rocks mean that shaking is different than the older rocks? Well, here on the West Coast, we actually have a variety of ages. Right? We have the San Gabriel Mountains that are a billion years old, and the sediments of the Los Angeles Basin might be less than one million years old. So now it gets more complicated. The waves travel from a fault, perhaps through buried older rocks. The wave travels at a fast speed, then comes to the surface and hits very young rocks or even loose sediment, and the waves have to slow down. But they're still carrying approximately the same amount of energy. They are attenuating a bit more but that energy now has to be carried in a slower wave. So the wave has to get bigger to do that. We will see waves many times larger in the flats compared to the mountains just right around them. We talked about that as a factor of amplification. Los Angeles Basin is like five times more shaking than in the Santa Monica Mountains right next to it. So the type of soil where you are impacts the shaking you feel. So explain, Lucy, then how some blocks in Northridge earthquake, for instance, had major shaking, and then a block away or two blocks away, things were just fine. Okay, so the waves are traveling through these sediments, and that's pretty much the same on adjacent blocks. But when you get right to the surface, maybe you've got an old drainage channel or an old stream bed. And then instead of the sediments having been carried up from the ocean, you've now got just really loose stuff that was dropped in the last flood and those will be even looser and cause even more amplification. You know, you can actually find maps that show the density of the soils directly underneath you. They're usually shown with the, the velocity of the seismic waves, because that's what we can measure, put in some sensor and measure that. If you have less than one kilometer per second, you have a loose soil that will be amplifying some. If it's down at 100 meters per second, you've got very loose soil and a lot of amplification. So old cold rock are great for allowing waves to travel through them. So the shaking is felt much more widely. But on the West Coast, which has more earthquakes, the broken up rocks mean you don't get the impact from more distant earthquakes that you would somewhere else. Shaking really is controlled by those local rocks and local soils. But there's a flip side to this. If you're not very far away, you actually get significantly reduced shaking because that attenuation. But that means when you're very close to the earthquake, you get much more shaking than you would have had somewhere else. People need to remember that just because you were in, your house went through the Northridge earthquake, unless you were right there in the West Valley, you didn't get the strong shaking that they did. Don't think that because you've been through past earthquakes, your house is fine. When you're very close to an earthquake, it's very, very different. Before we go, Lucy, we teased at the beginning that you were a rock mechanic. Can you explain how it is you came to know all this about rocks? As part of my graduate work, I did seismology, but I also did rock mechanics, where we literally took rocks into the laboratory, put them under extreme pressure, and then broke them and created faults and earthquakes with them to better understand exactly what's going on. We, we call that rock mechanics because we're studying the mechanical behavior of the rocks. Well, let's leave it there for now. Until next time, I'm John Bueri with Dr. Lucy Jones and you getting through it. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows and become a supporter at patreon.com. 
That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Our music is performed by Josh Lee and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones. <laughs>